And we're in week three of our series. Uh, it's called Now That's a Great Question. And uh, we collected questions from you uh, back in the spring, uh, faith questions, spiritual questions that, that you're asking, or perhaps you have a friend who's asking the question, and we've collected those and, and compiled these, uh, these questions for the months of uh, June and July to have them be our, our focus of conversation. And uh, two weeks ago, we, we looked at the, the, really the tough question, how, how could a loving God send people to hell? And we talked about that and looked at that subject. And uh, then last week, Susan Garlinger uh, taught us, uh, and as, we, as we looked at the question, what's going on when we pray? I mean, what, what's happening when you pray and it doesn't like the answer is coming? Uh, and, and Susan uh, did a great job last week uh, helping us with that question. And this week, we're looking at the question, uh, what happens when I die? Uh, there was a lot of questions that people uh, sent in about, about heaven, about, uh, about end times, and, uh, and, and things along that line, uh, about, about eternity. And so we, we've sort of summarized all those different uh, questions into this one question, what happens when I die? And that's, that's the question we're going to be spending some time looking at today. And, and remember, as we're going through this, this series, this isn't about developing these, these, these airtight, rigid theological boxes that we can, can then, you know, just, just, that's how you answer it and you just answer the same way. We're, we're, we're approaching these questions in a spirit of humility, approaching these questions with, with a heart to, to seek what God's word would tell us and know that there's, there's, there's still mystery involved, which is why people still ask these questions. Uh, but uh, coming in the spirit of humility and really the purpose in knowing God, coming to know who God is as we ask these questions and answer these questions. And we're going continue to continue to do that today. Uh, but before I, I talk, let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for how you've already met us in this place today. Thank you for your spirit's work in our hearts and our minds. And Lord, as, as we look at your word and as we uh, talk about this, this next question about heaven and eternity, uh, Lord, as I've brought my thoughts together in these last few weeks and prepared, I just sort of envision this, this valley of dry bones, a lot of ideas, a lot of facts, of, a lot of scripture, and I've tried to pull different pieces together. And as I've done that, I've done my best to prepare myself Yet I, I recognize and acknowledge my dependence on you because really the question is, can these bones live? And Lord, we trust you that you would, you would breathe on these words and that they would be your words. So fill me with your spirit. I acknowledge my extreme dependence on you. May your words be anointed. May they have authority. May we have ears and hearts ready to receive what you would say to us today. Comfort us, encourage us, may hope rise in our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, my wife Trina's, uh, uh, her grandfather was a real capable, outdoorsy kind of guy. Strong farmer, loved to fish, loved to hunt, and uh, was just very active. And so it was really hard news uh, about 10 years ago. Um, well, actually, been many more years than that. Years ago, when 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 he he was hit with a, a really uh, horrible stroke, it left him in a in a place of just he was just debilitated. In fact, the the last years of his life, he just laid in a bed in a nursing home, just with uh, with uh, minimal motion on his on his right side, and 
Um, and uh, this, this stroke took its toll. In fact, as the years progressed, as uh, Trina's uh, grandfather was in this nursing home, the family would once in a while get these calls to come to the nursing home because it looked like, like, like he was going to pass away, he was going to die. And uh, the, the day did come when, when Everett Holstey uh, passed away. The day he died, the family was there in the nursing, nursing home room, and, uh, and, and Trina's dad was there, and not, not all of her family are, are, are Christ followers, and they were there and, and watching Everett take his last breaths. And, and this guy who could barely move was laying in his bed, and, and, and right before he passed away, his, his head sort of snapped to the right, and he looked over at the window. And he stared at the window for several seconds, and then he just sort of started tracking something across the room, uh, across his bed and to the other side of his bed, and he, he stared in this one direction intently uh, for quite some time, and then he smiled, and he was gone. He, he saw something in this window. He just, his head moved very quickly, and he saw it, and he just gazed at what he was seeing all the way across the room till it came over to the side of his bed, the corner of his room there, and uh, he smiles, and he's gone. Some of you have heard stories like that, or you've had, uh, you know people in your own family had experiences like that as you've, as you, or maybe you've read stories like that, and it prompts questions in us. It, it strikes a, a chord of curiosity in, in our minds because it, it, we, what happens, what happens when we die? I mean, what, what's going on? And, and today I want to uh, attempt to answer that question, and I want to answer from a, a Christian perspective and a perspective of someone who's asking the question, who's a Christ follower. A couple weeks ago we talked about hell and, uh, and, 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 and how could a loving God send someone to hell. And, and, but I want to talk to you about heaven. I want to talk to you about what happens when you die as a Christ follower. And, um, you know, I, I have memories as a kid uh, in, in the house I grew up in and the churches I went to as a young kid. My parents are missionaries. And that people talked a lot about heaven. There was a lot of conversation about heaven and about, uh, about end times. And I remember sitting just being fascinated as I hear my grandfather and my dad talk about these things. And we'd sing songs about heaven. And some of you in this room uh, grew up in church and you know the choruses you were taught as a kid. And you mentioned the topic of heaven and there's already a song in there. In fact, they'll be stuck in your head all day now, thanks to me. And, 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 and we, we know these songs. In fact, uh, Josh Mann and I were talking at one of our preaching team meetings and uh, Josh was, uh, was recalling a conversation that he had with, with Don Bubnus here today. And Don is uh, a previous senior pastor at St. Lyons Church. And he's recalling a conversation he had with Don when, when Don said, you know, years ago, if you wanted to, to fill a room, if you wanted to draw a crowd, all you need to do is just hold a seminar on end times or about heaven. Now, actually, next week, we're going to talk about the question, is Jesus coming back soon? But this week, we're talking about heaven. And Josh was talking about, man, if you wanted to, if you wanted to fill a room, you, you just talk about heaven or you, you, you hold a seminar on end times and people want, people would come. And we, we talked a lot about heaven. And in fact, the, the world, people outside the church heard us talking so much about heaven that they made statements like, oh, those people, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And, and they would just talk about these people who just thought these weird things. And in fact, some people outside the church, I mean, for, for years have been saying um, just strange things about our own convictions about heaven and hell. In fact, Mark Twain, 
Mark Twain made this comment. He said, choose heaven for the climate and hell for companionship. Because those people in the church are weird. They're just talking about heaven and eternity. And, and that's out there somewhere. And, and there's this idea that the really fun people will be in hell and the boring, you know, churchy people be, be in heaven. And, uh, and so, you know, choose heaven over hell. And it, what, what Twain is misunderstanding is the concept of common grace. That, that all people have been given the gift of common grace. And that, that common grace is, is for this time and, and uh, for, for this, uh, this age. And in fact, uh, as, as the world began to hear us talk about, about, about heaven and hell uh, years ago, uh, science fiction writer Isaac Asimov, he, uh, he, he made this quote. He said, I don't believe in the afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell. I would fear heaven even more, for whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be worse. Heaven is boring. It's, I mean, think about it. If you ever ask the question to somebody, you know, so what are we going to do for eternity? And what's, what do we do? And, and, and oftentimes, people will respond by saying, well, it's, it's like this giant, unending worship service. that worship God forever. And we're like, really? Because... I go to church, man, and I'm just like, Ms. Fowler, almost done, because you're supposed to be, aren't we supposed to be done like at 1035, and isn't there another service coming in, and, and we're going to sing forever and ever? John Eldridge, catching this sentiment in one of the books that he's written, uh, wrote this. It says, nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is a non-ending church service. We have settled on a never-ending sing-along in the sky, one great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen, and our hearts sink. <laughs> forever and ever, and that's it. That's the good news, and we lose heart and return once more to the present to find what life we can David Murrow, in his book called Why Men Hate Going to Church, writes this. He says, an eternity singing in the choir? Contrast this with the Mormons where faithful men spend their time in heaven making celestial babies. Or consider the Muslim heaven where martyrs enjoy the everlasting ministration of 72 virgins. Guys, which sounds better to you? Everlasting singing or everlasting... Well, there's kids in the room. You, you know where he's going. <laughs> and is it any wonder why Mormonism and Islam are growing so rapidly among men? Is that what heaven is? Is, is heaven sort of like this unending song, like, you know, turn to hymn number 1,125,007 because we're just going to keep going here? Is that... Yes, heaven, there'll be worship in heaven, no doubt. There'll be a, a, an automatic response, will be overcome. But is that, is that what heaven is? An unending church service? See, I think that, that there was this point where we thought a lot about heaven, we talked a lot about heaven, but then, uh, then we started hearing some of these ideas of heaven being boring, and it's just like we couldn't get our head around it, and we just kind of stepped back away from it and stopped thinking about heaven and eternity and the future and started just started living in the present because this is, this is real, and we, we know this, and we sort of stepped away about talking about heaven. At least that's just my observation. Reinhold uh, Niebuhr is, is, is a, a theologian, and he wrote a, a theological treatise years ago. 
He writes a book, and get this, he writes a book called The Nature and Destiny of Man. The Nature and Destiny of Man, The Destiny of People. And he never mentions heaven. Not once. Louise Burkhoff, in a systematic, theo- uh, uh, systematic theology book that, that she wrote, 737 pages long, mentions heaven in three sentences on page 730. This would be shocking news to the early church. Because the, the, the thought of heaven, the, 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 the imagination and, the, and the, the thoughts about eternity, it changed the way they lived in their current situation. Now grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I, w- I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 1, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, you'll find this text on page 1200 in the, in the Pew Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 3 through 9, and I just want you to listen. As this letter is written to a suffering church, this letter is written to a persecuted church, and listen to what Peter says about Heaven, stand with me if you would, as I read God's word. First Peter chapter one, beginning in verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's holy word, and you may be seated. Did you hear the words that Peter uses to describe heaven? It's a new birth that's made possible by the sufferings of Christ, by the death of Christ on the cross. He took the wrath of the Father so that mankind would not have to take the wrath of the Father. He made it possible for us to be reconciled to God, to, for our relationship to be made right with our Heavenly Father so that we could spend eternity with Him. This new birth is into a living hope. There's this living, breathing hope that, was, that belonged to the early church as they thought about heaven, as they thought about eternity in the light of their current circumstances. It, it, it breathed hope into their lives. It's the best, one of the best ways I can describe it is it's like a kid in the fall, right? I mean, Christmas is coming. And they're anticipating a future, uh, a future when there's going to be presents and a tree and lights and, and when stores start putting Christmas decorations on their shelves in September. Uh, it, you know, they just start, they start talking about Christmas and they're, they're talking about it all the time and, and you're having that conversation with them and then the lights go up and the tree goes up and man, it just builds, 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 builds. It's, it's like a living hope for them. It's all they can talk about as Christmas comes, it's, it's coming closer and closer. It's anticipation that builds. For the early church, the thought of heaven was a living hope in difficult times. 
They were persecuted. Some of them lost their jobs for being a Christian. They, they lost property. They lost, they suffered. They were in poverty. And yet they hung on because they knew there was this living hope. And Peter goes on to describe it as an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. There is an inheritance that is yours, kept in heaven for you. And it can't spoil, and it cannot fade, and it will not perish. And Peter goes on to describe that this caused inexpressible joy for the early church, even in the midst of terrible sorrow. And the hope of heaven was something they clung to. Now, what happens when I die? Let's just let's look at, look at that, that, that question and, and let the scripture speak to us about, about what happens after we die. So what happens after I die? We know, Acts chapter 7, verse 59, when Stephen is being stoned, when he is being publicly executed for his, his uh, what they, the, the, the religious leaders called his blasphemy, uh, he sees heaven opened up, and he sees the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Father, and, and he declares this, and, and the people pick up stones, and they're killing him. And just before he dies, he says, he says to, to the Father, Father, receive my spirit. There was this idea in, in Stephen's mind that when he died, when he finally took his last breath on earth, that his spirit he would be with the Father, that he would be in heaven. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, talks about this idea that when we are at home in our physical bodies, we're apart from the Lord. But then he goes on to say that absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from this body is to be present from the Lord. And we even see this confirmed in the words of Jesus to the thief on the cross in Luke chapter 23. Remember the story of the thief on the cross? He's there and he's saying to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus. He, he recognizes that Jesus is a king and Jesus says these words to him in Luke chapter 23. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The moment you take your last breath on earth, you will take your first breath in heaven and you will see Jesus. My, my dad and I were talking last night and uh, he, he was sharing the story of a, of a family friend. His name was Dick Harvey. Dick was a, a well-known pastor. And Dick Harvey, pastor for many years, a leader, a, 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 a great man for many years. In his, in his dying years, though, he was... He was he was in a bed five years, five plus years laying in a bed, not able to move, not able to speak. Couldn't lift a finger, which prompts other questions, doesn't it? I mean, you serve God your whole life, and, and then this? And we'll talk about that in July, about suffering. But Dick Harvey is laying in this bed, and the family is gathered in the room because this is the moment where he's, he's soon to die. So the family's there. The doctors are in the room. The nurse, nurse is in the room. And Dick Harvey, who couldn't speak, who couldn't even move a finger, is laying in his bed. And as it's described to me, he literally jumps up in his bed. He jumps up in his bed, and he shouts, It's glorious. It's beautiful. It's it's beyond explanation. It's, it's ecstasy. And he lays down and dies. Gone. I'm telling you, 
Heaven, heaven is way beyond your imagination. It's way beyond anything that, it's not boring. It's, it's not like turn to this. It's, it's not offerings every half hour. It's, it's not some church service that you just couldn't wait for it to be over. It's glory. It's amazing. It's beyond your expectation. and It's an inheritance that's yours in Christ. And you have this hope, this living hope that will never spoil, fade, or perish. It's yours in Christ. What happens when I die? Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And the second thing that we can see is, is really spelled out by Paul. Before I go to the scriptures, you know, it's interesting because most people have this idea that when they die, that that's sort of like their last experience with the tangible world. Like, uh, like you become like this floating bubble and you sort of like float around in the stratosphere and you're given a harp and if you're good, you get a good cloud and there's room on it and you sort of like just float around and wow, isn't that great? It, that's such a, it's not heaven. There's, there's no talk of that in, in, in the scriptures. In fact, it's so real. Philippians chapter three, verses 20 and 21. Paul says this, he's, he's talking to the church in Philippi about citizenship, and we'll get to that in a second, that their citizenship is not on earth, it's in heaven, and, and he says, and we eagerly await a savior from there, speaking of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You gotta get this, if you haven't heard this before. He will transform your lowly body, your body that you're in today, it's like a tent. It will collapse and you'll get a new body. And so if you're here and you've, got, you've been diagnosed with a disease or you've got aches and pains or you've, you've just, maybe there's a handicap that, that, that you possess, your lowly body will be transformed to be like his glorious body. Remember the stories of Jesus after he came out of the tomb? When he walked out of the empty tomb and he was interacting with people? Do you remember what he would do? He would show up and he would, he'd walk with you and, and, and then he'd, he'd be here and then he wouldn't be here and then you'd be, the disciples are in this room and then suddenly he would show up in the room and, and he would say, touch me. You could touch him, you could hug him, you could shake his hand. He ate, he, he talked, he had conversation, he made breakfast on the beach for his disciples. He had, he had meals with them. They saw him, they touched him, they listened to him. He wasn't some giant bubble floating around in the sky. He was in a resurrected body, a new body. And this blew the theological boxes of the day because resurrection was for the end of the age. And here, here was Jesus walking around in a new transformed resurrected body and they were stunned by what they saw. And Paul is telling us that we will, we will be in new bodies like his glorious body. In 1990, I got my first uh, Mac. It was, it was like a, a little uh, Macintosh, and I had, it had an external modem, and uh, it was like a 2400 baud modem, and, and when I would sign on to AOL to get my, my mail, you, know, you, you click and you, you, know, you type the address, and, and the screen would kind of like, you don't, and you get like two bars of color, and then like five minutes go by, you get like two more bars of color and you know you could go out run five miles and you know chop some wood and come back and then your page would be loaded 
And then if you wanted to check your email, you clicked on email and then you, you, know, you went and mowed the lawn or made dinner or something. And by the time that was done, you came back and you could see if you had any mail. It, it just took a long time. And, and those were computers in 1990. And now, and now there's Macs that, well, there's other computers too, but there's Macs that have these, uh, that, that you can talk to people. They see you, you see them. I, I have a son who's with YWAM. He's in India uh, this week, and, and I can Skype with him and see him, and we can have conversation. It's amazing. And, and you, can, you can go to a, a news page and just click, and pfft, there it is. Uh, the, the, at least Macs do that. I don't know about PCs, but you know, this thing's right there, and you can see it all, and you have links to it. I mean, it's amazing what, 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 what's at the tip of our fingers these days. And the reason it's amazing is back in 1990, that was kind of the old model, right? And now there's new models, new versions, new versions of everything, and things are changing so quickly. It's kind of a little bit like this, what Paul's talking about, because he says, your bodies will be transformed. That, that word literally means you'll get a new schematic. You will have a new schematic to your body. And it will be glorious. You're not some bubble floating on a cloud holding a harp. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth, there's adventure, there's discoveries, there's responsibility, there's leadership, there's a future, it's exciting, it's not boring, it's, yes, there will be worship and it will be glorious as well. It's all worship. And you are part of it. What happens when I die? When I take my last breath on earth, I take my first breath in heaven, I see Jesus, I get a new resurrected body. If you're here today and you've lost someone you love, you need to know inexpressible joy is theirs. We deal with the mourning and the sorrow of saying goodbye, but it is not forever. And it is hard to say goodbye. And it rips our hearts open. But we will be with him forever. With Jesus, new body, and then and then Paul does develop this idea of, of, of citizenship that 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 king that's home for us. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and we are living in this world. And and Paul is wanting us to know that don't adopt the customs and culture of this day. Live out the custom and, and culture of heaven in this world. Bring the goodness of that place, heaven, the kingdom of heaven, and live it out here so people get a foretaste of what glory will be like. And Paul talks about this idea that that even us as Christ followers will have our own judgment. It's not an in and out kind of judgment. It's a judgment of of works done in the body, whether good or bad. In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We, we will give an account for the life that we have lived here in this body. So it matters how we live. It matters the choices that we make. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, most scholars believe that Paul is fleshing this out even more In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'll just begin reading in verse 10. Paul writes, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. 
because the day, capital D, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. What Paul is telling us is the life we live in this body, in our in our current present situation matters and how we live it and how we build on the foundation that is Christ, we'll give an account for it. And for some, there'll be rewards. Scriptures talk about the possibility of being able to store up treasure in heaven, that there'll be crowns of righteousness. And if you don't like the concept of rewards, sorry, it's Jesus' idea. It's, it's all through Scripture. There will be rewards and there will be judgment. It's not an in and out conversation, but, it, but there will be those who have lived their life on earth as if, as if this were the end. And Jesus says that those who have a relationship with Christ who have not lived according to the customs and the culture of heaven will be saved, but they'll be like someone who's running out of a burning building and they've got nothing except for the clothes on their back. And they'll suffer great loss. I think just regret Regret. What happens when I die? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You see Jesus. New resurrected body. And we live our life now knowing this reality because we will give an account. Because heaven is a reality. Being a pastor, um, I get the privilege of, of being in pretty, some pretty significant moments in people's lives. Um, baptisms. Um, the birth of a child. Child dedication, when I remember them. Uh, weddings. And yes, even when someone dies. And I'll never forget the moment I was, I was pastoring a church up in Kelso, Washington. Barbara was in her 40s and she had been diagnosed with cancer and cancer had just taken its toll on her life. And she was at hospice and, and one of those situations that many of you are familiar with because you've been there. Barbara's at hospice laying in bed and she couldn't move, she couldn't talk, hours away from her going to be with Jesus. Family was there, Trina and I were there, and we were singing songs, we were reading scripture, and I just felt prompted to, to go and speak something into Barbara's ear. I just, I just wanted to say something to her, and she couldn't respond, she couldn't squeeze your hand to, to, to let you know that she heard, and we didn't know what she could or couldn't hear, we didn't know if she was there, her body just clinging to life. And I w went over and I just leaned over to her ear and I whispered in her ear, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And tears just began streaming down Barbara's cheeks because she heard, don't be afraid. 
because it's glorious. It's amazing. Words can't describe how beautiful it is. It's ecstasy. It's heaven. And it's your inheritance.